self and social awareness. These are two characteristics of people that I absolutely love speaking to and I absolutely love coaching. The reason being is that certainly through my own journey, taking a look at the rest of the world and the human behaviours, what's going wrong, what's going right, and understanding that accountability is paramount to our progression as individuals and collectively, sometimes we forget we are part of that mix. And sometimes we forget that actually we just need to focus on getting our best life in order to bring more bestness to the rest of the world. That's why I love coaching people who are about equality and about happiness and joy for every single human being on this planet. Welcome to the Social Cohesion Podcast. My name is Daniel Holly, and I hope you enjoy these episodes. Hello there. There is no coaching conversation today. It's actually just me and the microphone for a change. Now, apologies for the silence. I know I haven't posted in a couple of weeks, but of course I wanted to break the silence now and it might feel late, but actually for me, this is right on time to talk about the events that have gone on over the last few months, uh, namely with quarantine and then as well, of course, with the rise in the BLM movement. Now, first of all, I wanna go back to a conversation I had in March the beginning of quarantine and there's a reason behind it now this conversation went on for two and a half hours and in the process of the conversation I was inundated with more knowledge than I think my my brain was ready to receive at that time and when I say knowledge I simply mean information it wasn't true but it was information it was around things like Bill Gates and 5G and vaccines and so on and so on it just went on for a long period of time, my brain wasn't ready for it. I believe I'd already had quite a long day that day, so my mind was pretty tired. And honestly, it knocked me off center quite a bit. Not because I believed any of it, but just because I don't think my mind was ready for such a download. I'd known about conspiracy theories and I'd heard about them, but they were all at a distance. The person sharing this with me, who strongly believed these things, someone actually I was quite close to and had a long-standing relationship with, and so it was tough to hear all of that coming from them really tough. One thing I found though in that conversation was as they were sharing information, I couldn't argue all of it because I don't know all of it. I never profess to, I don't try to speak on things I don't know about. But there were certain things that I could argue because they were outlandish claims and I would argue them. Did that matter that I was able to impart information that was more accurate and actually correct? No, it didn't. It continued. It continued on with other information more information to back up what they said before. And then something changed. I noticed this. The first time I spotted it. When I asked them the question, what exactly is it that you're afraid of in all of this? They couldn't answer that question. They actually struggled to answer that question. I would ask them other things. What makes you believe that? How did you come to this conclusion? The questions I asked about them personally was where they actually struggled to speak. They spoke strongly for two and a half hours on all of the information that they gathered. But asking them about themselves and their beliefs and asking them to dig into themselves to figure out why this was all so 
such inspiring work in terms of their, their energy. They couldn't answer it. I, I found that interesting because then I look now into the, the near past after the unfortunate death of George Floyd and indeed Breonna Taylor and other black men, women, trans people who have died at the hands of police since George Floyd. And I'm hearing all these conversations, I'm seeing all these conversations transpire. And I think it sits behind this idea that we, we need to educate people. People need to be educated. It's about education. I don't think that's true. I mean, obviously, it's good that we have the information. Absolutely. But then I've also had conversations where people clearly know the information. They know exactly what's happened and what, what is happening. They can see it. But they openly, blanketly deny it. And so if you have the information, but you deny the information, namely when it comes to humanitarian issues and social justice, what does that mean? What does that tell you? To me, it says that there is a collective, arguably collective, belief system and value base that actually has gone completely untouched and unseen, that is carrying this energy that speaks up against the BLM movement, that speaks up against trans lives, that speaks up against women, that speaks up against raising the minimum wage. There's a very clear base belief and value base that holds this, but it is unseen. So when you challenge a person and ask them about themselves and what they think and how they feel about it and what they're really coming to the conclusion on and how they came across that information, it's harder for them to answer those questions and stand on that platform solidly. They stand behind the information they've gotten, whether it's true or not, but they can't stand on their own personal conviction behind the information. And it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, when we wanna have these conversations, are we having them correctly? Are we doing this properly? Because again, I had a phone call with a friend of mine recently who had to have one of these conversations with someone close to them. And it was hard, understandably. When it comes from people close to you, an ignorance, a bigotry, we want to be able to educate them and, and assume that they are of a belief value that is of equality, that is of collective egalitarianism. But it's not always the case. A person will believe something and therefore that belief will influence what they look at, what they research, what they get informed on or misinformed on. I had someone jump into my DM and ask me, why is George Floyd the person that people chose to protest about? Now, of course, I could quote Dave Chappelle immediately and say, we didn't choose George Floyd. George Floyd was chosen as the man who was recorded for eight minutes and 42 seconds dying on the floor by the hands of the people who supposedly protect and serve. We didn't choose George Floyd. They were chosen. Now, that would have been nice to have been the answer that I gave. But unfortunately, I watched Dave Chappelle after this question was asked me. But I gave him the answer. I looked, I looked to the history of police brutality towards black and brown people, not just in America, but here in the UK as well. But that didn't suffice. That wasn't enough. 
They weren't interested in that. As the conversation go went on, I was aware that this person clearly had a belief system that just didn't want to take on what I was giving them. They were not happy with the answer. They even changed their answer halfway through the conversation. And I said to them, I have actually answered your question. They said, no, you haven't. I thought, okay. And then it was when they told me that they had done the research, the research, the body of research. They looked at police training. They looked at police behavior. They looked at police work. They even looked at the videos where these people had died. These black people have been shot by police in the back, running away, where people have been strangled. And still came to the conclusion that he couldn't understand it and actually sympathised with the police. And I said, it's amazing that you're able to put all that effort into understanding the police. And it's great that you do understand the police because they do have a tough job. Not that that justifies or excuses the way they treat people at all. But you haven't done the work to answer your own question. You've come to me. I said, why don't you go and look into black history? Why don't you go read some of the information on that? I'm sure that'll be more than enough to tell you. And he told me, I don't have time for that. So he had time to look into the information he was interested in looking at, but did not have time to look into the actual information that would have given him the exact answer he was looking for. That tells me he only wanted to know that what he believed was correct. That's all he wanted to know. What he believed was correct. Not what he knew, what not, not what information would help him be in the right standing to make a judgment call. Just he already thought he was correct. So he went for the information that backed that up. And I can think of many different situations where that's been the case. I think of a conversation I had years ago when I was talking about the mess of binary genders. The idea that men behave this way and women behave that way. And it seemed to be a, a, a strong standing rule of law. And I said, not quite, because there's many women who don't behave traditionally in accordance with femininity. And there's many men who don't behave traditionally in accordance with masculinity. And whether we like it or not, that is the reality we live in. I'm very happy we live in that reality. But if you don't like it, that's too bad. That's where we are. That's the reality we live in. And they weren't convinced on it. So what did they do? Instead of looking up the information that could perhaps change the way they view it, they went and read a book that they'd already read to actually sit back in the comfort of their own understanding. They wanted to believe that what they believed was correct. What does all this say? What does all this speak on? I think what I'm getting to, really, is a simple fact that it's not about education. This is why I don't think education is it. This isn't about educating people necessarily on factual information. Because actually now we're in a state, and we have been for a long time, where a person's opinion unfortunately supersedes fact a long way. Because a person now has the ability to agree to disagree about the value of human life. A person has the option to choose to debate the value of a human life. We could talk about privilege all day, but that's not what this is about. A person has a chance to theorise on whether or not a person deserves to live or die. 
Now, it's not necessarily that these conversations can or cannot take place, but I think that there are certain circumstances where these conversations are simply wildly inappropriate. And what it does is it allows people to sit in their belief, their unseen, unheard, untouched belief that what they feel is correct. That either we already have equality, that white people are apparently being wiped out, that privilege is not real, that the system actually works for minority groups, not against, that police brutality is not a problem, or even worse, that black people do not deserve equality, women do not deserve equality, trans people do not deserve equality. These are the beliefs that we're tackling. And again, if you look at the pattern, there is no amount of information that can change that belief. Because for that belief to be changed, they need to be aware that that's what they believe first, to even begin considering that that could change. Now I speak on this in my online presentation that I'm currently running, which I'll tell you about at the end and I'll tell you how to get connected with it if you're interested. There was a study done that showed a pattern of the brain is, is really lit up and wired up when we hear statements with a certain degree of controversy around them, when we're asked opinions on things. And this study had statements that ranged from things like the handwriting of Thomas Edison to abortion or same-sex marriage. And what they found was that the same part of the brain that lit up when brought uh, in front of these statements was the same part of the brain that actually works on the self, the sense of self. And so you could conclude very carefully from that two things. One, that simply what's going on in the brain neurologically is that where we've cemented certain beliefs, a simple mind map, or pardon me, not a simple mind map, a simple neurological path could come in, tack onto that network of that belief and simply bounce off because it doesn't fit in there. It doesn't go in there and therefore it's rejected immediately. Or we have tied ourselves, these could be one and the same thing, we have tied ourselves so intrinsically to certain things, be it our nation, our race, our sexuality, our favourite food, who knows, so intrinsically that for us to change our mind on that thing is for us to fundamentally change who we are. And the scale of these, this range of statements was of course things like Thomas Edison's handwriting didn't mean anything. It was a very agreeable statement. It was not something that really brought a lot of contention to the mind. But as you got closer to same-sex marriage and abortion, it actually became a lot harder and a lot greater challenge for people to work around those ideas. And again, I conclude very carefully that that sounds like they're actually working around their sense of self. They're working around their sense of who they are. But without the education on how to work through who you are, you cannot play with that. You cannot touch it. Of course, you approach an identity crisis, which if any of you have had any fault with that, you know it's uncomfortable. 
But if you're not even aware that's what's happening, then it's even more uncomfortable. We're dealing with beliefs here. So when we go into conversations, and I hear people like James O'Brien do this on his, on his LBC show, he will ask a person who disagrees with socialism, who disagrees with equality, who doesn't think that things are racist and so on. He asks them quite directly, what are you so afraid of? Why do you think that? How does this affect you? And very often they can't seem to answer the question. They can't seem to give that a solid answer. And it could simply be that the education they've got is not actually whether or not they've written the right, te- they've read the right textbook or watched the right video. It actually could be a simple case of have they spent time looking at themselves deep enough? Have they spent time addressing themselves in the appropriate manner to understand what it means to look at information that challenges what we know and give us the flexibility of self to know that we won't change if one day we learnt that what we thought was true was not. Much like when we grow up and learn that stuff we learned as a child wasn't true. Exactly like that. Unless, of course, we made what we learned as a child so true to us that it felt like changing our mind meant changing everything that we are. So what can you do? What can you do about this? I think one of the things that is important, and the irony is not lost on me by saying this, when we say people need to be educated, actually I think what we need to do is educate ourselves as best we can. Projecting the idea of educating others, sure, fine, but are they actually going to do it? That's the question. If we take on that responsibility for ourselves to continue reading the correct literature, watch the right shows, listen to the right music, Basically, and I say right, I mean the stuff that's going to get us in line with what we truly believe about equality, about our future, being that of togetherness and connection. Are we listening to the right things? Are we ensuring that even away from others, we are including people in our learning, including people and identities that otherwise wouldn't be part of our general day-to-day life? Are we listening to the podcasts of people who don't live lives anything like us? Because really, the education, of course, is important, but only we can take control of whether or not we do it. With regards to conversations, I do talk about this in the program that I'm running. And I'm aware that the conversations are dying down. People are losing traction at the moment. It was a trend. It took place. It's over now. Racism is sorted. But I'll tell you right now, and you probably are already aware of this, we'll come here again in a few years. It won't take long. We'll be here again. Not because the conversation died, but because we're talking about a problem that's persisted over several hundred years. We're not talking about something that came and therefore can just simply go. It's been here for a long time. So we're absolutely going to end up here again, without question. But the way that we can make this change and minimise the impact, should this happen again, is by continuing to have the conversation. Not always with the people around you, because maybe there's not anyone around you who can have this conversation with in a healthy and productive manner. Have it with yourself. Have the conversation with yourself. Are you truly inclusive? Have you got all your biases in check? Or as many as you can think of, at least. Have you really dug in to understand where you learned what you learned from? How can you be sure 
that when someone you don't usually spend time with enters your space, you can actually be a proper, inclusive human being in front of that person and let them know that you are a safe person to be around. See, all of this is exactly why I invite the sort of people I do onto the podcast. It's not about their identity. It's not about whether or not they're of the right skin tone or the appropriate sexuality or anything like that. It's merely a case of what are their values. And I have a precursor conversation with every guest on here to ensure that it's a good fit. Because if they don't believe on any level, and this has been a conversation I've had, they don't believe that equality is something possible, even if they know it would be something nice, even if they know it's something that people need. If they do not believe it is something that is possible, then that's absolutely fine. But I will not work with them. I'm here to inspire belief systems and values to ensure that there are more powerful people and empowered people on this planet who believe that equality is something we can reach and therefore will do the work to ensure that equality is something we will reach. I talked about my program, a three-week program. It's on Meetup and it's the anti-racism online presentation. I'll put a link in the description here. If you have anything to say about my podcast, if you have anything to say about this episode, then of course you can email me at firstnaturecsm at gmail.com. That's one, the number one, s-t-nature-c-s-m at gmail.com. You can connect with me on Instagram, at the only other Dan. Of course, you can check out my website as well, www.daniel-holly, h-o-l-l-e-y, You can reach me through all of those places there to share your thoughts, share your feelings about things, what's been going on for you. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. And we will, of course, return to regular scheduled programming when we return. Have a fantastic day. How many times has a thought got in your way? How many times have you had a thought that's inspired you but you've yet to take action on it? On these episodes, I speak to people who are about social and self-awareness and accountability towards creating a much better world for every other human being. If this sounds like you, please feel free to get in touch with me at the only other Dan on Instagram, Daniel Holly on LinkedIn, or you can email me at firstnaturecsm at gmail.com. That's one S-T-N-A-T-U-R-E-C-S-M at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to rate it five stars, share it with a friend if you think that they benefit from hearing it too.